0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Advisor Arena podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Malm, and my goal each episode is to bring you fresh ideas, a new perspective, innovative practices from some of the most successful financial advisors in our industry. So thanks for joining us today, let's get started. Welcome, everybody. This is Jamie Malm. I'm your host of the Advisor Arena podcast. And today I have Brad Berger. Brad is a CFP. He's a financial advisor. He is an author and he is a life coach. So welcome, Brad. We're happy to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate it.
0: So I probably did not do your background justice there. I want to give you an opportunity to tell us a little more about each of those areas because you do have an impressive bio. How do you identify yourself? Because you... You are a financial advisor actively working with clients, but you also support financial advisors in your role as a coach through Ideal Life 360, correct?
1: That is correct. So, you know, to a large degree, I consider myself to be a life coach who specializes in money. Of course, I'm a speaker, I'm an author, I'm a coach. And, uh, you know, now almost 30 years as a financial planning practitioner, Uh, My journey to coach, uh, which I'm sure that we'll talk a little bit about, was really born uh, from the demands that I was receiving, not only from my clients, uh, but gifts that I felt that I had to offer uh, the financial advising community based upon my background and my experience.
0: I think it's a unique platform to be in the role of a coach, but also you know, have such a connection with those that are doing the same things that you're doing. Oftentimes we don't have the opportunity to speak to one of our peers that can also serve as a mentor and a coach. So I would imagine that, yes, you, that came about in a very natural way where people were looking to you. Tell me a little bit about what drew you most to wanting to help other advisors.
1: Sure. Well, I think it really began with, in the early days of my career. So, uh, as I had mentioned, I've been in the business almost 30 years. Uh, almost the first 18 of that, I spent not only as a financial advisor, but very quickly had uh, some great success in the early days of my career. Uh, in the uh, starting in about 1990, and essentially what ended up happening is I was identified as an individual who not only was passionate about helping clients, but had an aptitude for helping my peers because I I worked in an office with other advisors. And as a result of that, that began me on essentially a management track. So I was asked uh, with the organization that I began with and, again, that I spent the first 18 years of my career with, uh, was asked to move into management. And from there, of course, um, I became uh, a trainer, a recruiter, a mentor, uh, and went through various levels of leadership to the point where I was a a division director uh, for a international financial planning firm. And so that's where my passion uh, grew from that and my expertise and my ability to uh, to do that.
0: I think we have a lot of coaches out there, especially in our industry, people that promote that they're able to help and really zero in specifically with what a financial advisor is going through but very few who have decades of experience actually living that and one of the things that you talked about that really caught my attention is a lot of times consumers you know they hire advisors to ensure a quality of life for the rest of their mm-hmm. lives And then they get connected with an advisor and all they focus on the money and they start to have this dissatisfaction. And you talk a lot about really creating a bond with your client so you have client retention. Talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that you've seen some advisors make and what you you teach them to do instead.
1: Sure. Well, I think that this is a perfect segue for me to talk about why the first 18 year relationship that I had in my career ended, uh, and what path and journey I've been on say over the last, you know, 10 to 11 years. And and that was the following. I have always been a student of our industry. I think it's really, really important to understand what it is that we do and the impact that we make. And, uh, I talk about this in my program, uh, practice revolution. And I I talk about industry trends and the regulatory environment and the pressures that we all face as advisors. Now, what I am speaking of, many people can connect with, they'll have their own interpretation of that. But I began seeing the signs of this in the mid-2000s, around 2005, I was working in a professional study group with a lot of international advisors. And what I was noticing in particular, these advisors were from the the countries of Australia and from the UK. And it was very, very apparent that a phenomenal amount of pressure was being put on those industries to be more transparent, to act as fiduciaries and to provide broader, more comprehensive financial planning beyond simply wealth management. And so that is uh, a belief system that I started to develop, which was coming to a shore near you. It wasn't going to be long before these concepts would start to bleed over past the borders of those countries and enter into the psychology and the desires of our nation and to really be able to provide exactly that, more transparency, more comprehensive financial planning. So the the issue was that I tried to get this organization, again, I was, you know, C-suite, uh, uh, level and and speaking uh, as a divisional director to uh, the CEO or the director of of uh, advisor operations about you know where should this company go where do we need to be moving and I'm a big believer in skating to where the puck is going to be versus where the puck is currently at and so uh, I I just after about three years of beating that drum I wasn't making any progress and it was very very clear that the institutionalization of the thought process within that company was not going to change. They were going to stay kind of rooted in the past. And I really wanted to move into the future. So that is when I decided to simply walk away in late 2008, perfect timing, um, and uh, go out on my own. And I really felt very strongly in my capabilities and, and my, Uh, resources that I had available to me to say, I am going to build a practice the right way.
0: So you're talking my language here, and I want to be clear when Mm. we say skate to where the puck is going, you're talking about seeing in these other countries the transparency and the full focus that advisors had on doing what's best for the consumer rather than the more maybe transactional nature of our, age, of our of our industry in the early 2000s, even up until recently. I mean, you can see regulatory, you talked about some buzzwords here just that are showing up with the new NEIC rule. So we're still cleaning up the industry, but that's what yes. we're talking about, right? Just doing what's right, doing yes. what's in the client's best interest and not focusing on just selling a product.
1: Yes, as well as I think that there tends to be an overemphasis in the financial services industry as a whole, which is the premise of the book that I wrote, uh, Stop Trying to Keep Up with the Joneses, They're Broke Anyway, is this concept that that wealth management equals financial planning. And um, you can fill in the blank. It, you can replace wealth management with a product transaction uh, for for. You know, the sake of argument here, but it's basically that that comprehensive financial planning, uh, which is what I believe that most people really are after, but they don't realize that it necessarily exists if that makes sense because they've been inundated with a uh, twenty four hour news flow I mean let's talk about the you know three major you know cable news channels that report uh, information about the markets. It's all transactionally based. It's all about wealth management. There's very little about how to live one's life. You know, once you achieve all the success that, you know, financial freedom brings you, the question naturally becomes, and now what, um, n- now what do I do? Uh, and that really, so there's two parts of this question uh, that I'd like to answer. And that was when I started, financial practice that I am the head coach of the ensemble that we we have here um, we made a very bold decision and that very bold decision was that there were we were no longer going to accept any clients except for them engaging the team for a one-year engagement write a fee for that work and then and only then would we take them on as a client Uh, to determine exactly what it was that that we would do for them, whether it was managing their money, helping them with their risk management, uh, shoring up their estate plan, doing efficient tax planning, whatever it was. We do have a very robust uh, process that we follow. Again, something that I talk about both in my book uh, on the anatomy of a financial plan, but also that I go into great detail from the advisor perspective on the – Uh, practice revolution program. And that is what ultimately led me uh, about five years ago to become a life coach because through this very robust process, uh, and I talk about the importance of an advisor having an ideal client profile as well as a a very well-stated value proposition and making sure that all of these things are uh, in sync with with one another. They Um, meld together very well and make a very consistent story, I talk about four proven principles. And in my practice, what we discovered was first and foremost, the number one thing that we did was align people's values, their most deeply held values with their most important goals. The second thing was to put in place a process to help them get their entire financial house in order and to be able to keep it that way forever. The next one, which I think is key, especially in light of what's happened over the last couple of days, and that is to provide people the confidence that no matter what happens in markets, the economy, or the world, that they will be on track to achieve their financial goals. When we get them through that third bullet point of our value proposition, we can take them. To the fourth, which is freeing up physical and mental space and time so they can focus on things that are more important than money. So in the very early days, as I was building this practice and doing that, I, it, you know, it takes a while to get somebody to a point where they're freeing up their mental, physical space and time. But once you did, they sat across the table and said, that's great. And now what? And what they were really asking was, what else can you help me with? Can you help me truly live the life that I want to live? And while I had some experience in that, I felt it was really important to to gain some necessary training and education and credentialing so that I could really offer to those clients true life coaching uh, programs, workshops, and processes so they could truly achieve that.
0: Okay, so I want to ask you about what you did from there, but I, I don't want to... <coughs> miss zeroing in on something that you said here that I think is really important. How many times have you asked one of your coaching clients, a financial advisor, what their unique value proposition is and they can't tell you what they do that's different than somebody else? How often does that happen?
1: Uh, Almost 100% of the time.
0: And if they can tell you what they think their unique value proposition is, how many times is it actually unique?
1: I would say if they actually have one, uh, it's unique about 30% of the time. However, here is the real thing that I think is even more important than the two questions that you just asked me. And that is how many times, what percentage of the time is that what you execute flawlessly every single time?
0: Well, and that is something that I wanted to get to because I think, one, it's rare that somebody can rattle off what they do that's unique to their competitors. Two, most don't have a very specific process that they follow. And I find many will argue with you because maybe they have the same same system they use for the first appointment, or maybe they have the same reports they use. That is different than an actual process to execute, so what I love about what you just told me about Ideal 360, you could rattle off the four proven principles and exactly what you take people through. And that is a big missing piece of the puzzle. So if, you know, for those of you financial advisors that are listening, if you take one thing away from this, I, I cannot stress how important it is to be able to express your value proposition and then execute
1: yeah, it, it, is, um, it is incredibly important. One of the things that I talk about um, in the program, The Practice Revolution, is the fact that what, what this whole process and going through this work does is it leads uh, to very, very uh, loyal clients who will never leave you, um, and I have empirical evidence around that, uh, as well as, clients and centers of influence, uh, such as attorneys, CPA, risk management specialists, et cetera, who will refer prospects that are willing to pay $10,000 a year in a fee uh, with a very high, a 70 plus percent acceptance rate. Um, in our practice, I know for a fact that uh, and I work for um, an RIA that measures very, very closely, the average fee that is charged for financial planning. Uh, and it is less than $2,000. Our fee is more than four times that with a better than 70% acceptance rate. Um, and why is that? It's because we have a methodology, we have a framework and we have a process and they are, executed flawlessly, time in and time out. It's the same reason you keep going back to your favorite fill in the blank restaurant, resort, vacation area, airline, etc. It's because you understand exactly what that experience is going to be like. Um and that is what we have created uh, and that is what I have put all of my secrets, if you will, and they're not secrets and I and I willingly share them because here's what I know. I know Much like people who buy exercise programs off of TV and DVDs and do online sort of stuff, how many will actually execute it? Um, And so uh, happy to provide the information because it's not the information. It's the execution of the information where the results come from.
0: I could not agree more. It's such a great analogy. One thing that you mentioned in your, your four principles there, and you just touched on it again, is instilling confidence. They know what to expect. They know what you've put in Mm -hmm. place. And obviously, this is timely info. It's going to come up again and again and again. But right now, a lot of attention on what the markets are doing. And I would imagine that most of our investment advisors are taking calls from clients. Any secrets to share on some tips, some things that they can do to instill that confidence so they know what no matter what happens, their future is secure?
1: Well, I think it really, yes, because interestingly enough, I am talking to you today, uh, from my financial planning practice office. Uh, I'm happy to report that the, uh, telephone volume has been practically zero, uh, today, uh, or over the last couple of days, despite the fact that we've had some pretty interesting market activity. Um, and this is that the fact that, uh, the financial plan Is clearly articulated and understood by the client. Um, When we create a financial plan that is completely aligned with what they value and what is most important to them, and they understand that there are going to be these bumps in the road, um, we've demonstrated to them in advance of how and why their plan will continue to work, and I again, this is the benefit, I think, of having a robust, comprehensive financial plan. The other part of this, which I think um, I don't want to overlook, is that in our framework, which uh, really consists of four primary elements, there's, of course, the discovery phase of your relationship with the client, there's the planning phase uh, with the client, there's the solutions phase, and then the phase that we spend the most amount of time on is the monitoring phase. And what does that mean? Well, we have something that we created called the recurring review cycle. And it is the uh, sequence as well as the thematic nature of the three meetings that we have with the client throughout the year. And it's an opportunity. These appointments are 90 to 120 minutes long again remember this is not wealth management this is not making a quarterly call to somebody who has a portfolio this is sitting down with them and reviewing very very specific elements of their overall financial plan and making sure that they understand what risks there are uh, to the plan how we are uh, getting ahead and staying ahead of those potential risks and what the impact could have being preemptive and proactive in having these sorts of conversations with the client is key. We know that these things are going to happen.
0: And maybe you said it and I missed it. If so, I apologize. But how frequently do you recommend advisors sit down and have those conversations with their clients?
1: So, of course, we know that any of us who are involved in the RIA world, if uh, if, if we're managing individuals' money on a discretionary basis, there's a requirement that most people have that they have to have at least some sort of touch point with them quarterly. Uh, But because we are a comprehensive financial planning firm, we've got many touch points that qualify uh, for that. But what we do is we sit down with our clients once a trimester, that's what we say, uh, three times a year. Those meetings are 90 to 120 minutes long. They're thematic in nature. They all have an agenda right? And a specific set of checkpoints that we're going to make sure that we cover.
0: What about ongoing communication outside of those meetings? Do you send weekly communication, monthly communication? Are you proactive with staying in touch with them on, hey, you might've seen this in the media, or I saw this article, thought you'd be interested. Do you do any kind of ongoing marketing to your clients like that?
1: So here, here's the beauty of this. Um, no, no, Um, We are a lifestyle practice, and so we're very, very cognizant of making sure that any communication that we have around the client tends to be about living one's life, making an impact, um, and doing the sorts of things that they want to do. That's the part that having that confidence that leads to the fourth bullet of our value proposition, freeing up physical and mental space and time so they can focus on things that are more important than money. That's the power of that. Now with that being said, we have a very, very successful program that we have been running for over 11 years. And that is something we call our quarterly economic forum. So this is when in the practice revolution, I talk about value ads and this is one of our value ads. Um, it is an opportunity for our clients to come together By the way, it's a wonderful opportunity for centers of influence as well as clients to bring individuals that they would like to introduce to the team. We, there is no PowerPoint. There is no prepared remarks. We've been doing this again for 11 years, uh, every single quarter since 2008. So actually, I think we're in 12 years now uh, since 2008. And that is we bring our folks together, light hors d'oeuvres, and we, weave together a conversation based upon what's on their economic mind. And we basically say that we start the, the uh, evening by saying what's on your economic mind. We've got a whiteboard uh, in front of the room. We take 10 to 12 questions that are on the top of mind of individuals. And we weave together a conversation over the next 60 minutes to address those particular areas. I will share with you that number one, you're giving them the information that they want. Right? versus me dr- driving out something that I think is interesting but is not germane to them. I've got, a, I've got a phrase that I need to come back to. Remind me about my watch analogy in a moment. Um, but they're asking questions that are important to them, number one. Number two, we're demonstrating to them that our ensemble practice has the depth of expertise on the team to make sure that we are very well aware of what is going on. And that is another item that provides confidence uh, to them. Um, That has been a very successful program and uh, it's incredibly well attended uh, on a quarterly basis. So I want to get to the, um, the my watch analogy because I think it's really important for advisors to understand, Um, you know, We're all pretty intelligent individuals. We know a lot. Uh, We're we're very well educated, we're very, very well trained. I have to remind advisors though to ask themselves the following question. Did the client ask you what time it was or did they ask you to describe for them the blueprints on how to construct a fine (laughs) Swiss timepiece? Okay? Because in most cases, the clients didn't ask you about the blueprints. They simply asked you what time it was. So I always think it's important that, that advisors recognize that and realize that and simply answer the question the client asked, not to prove how smart or how much you know.
0: I think that is often a trap that we fall into. And there's a, a I don't know, it's called a one liner, but. One thing that I love that I think puts this into perspective is the line, people don't care about your solutions. They care about their problems. And I think that fits naturally into your watch analogy or into freeing up mental space and time. They don't care necessarily Mm -hmm. what your solutions are and you can't win people over. You can't get them to listen by coming in and presenting all the details on what you're going to do. They want to know what's in it for me. How does this Mm -hmm. solve my problem? So I think that's a great
1: one. Yeah, that, and, and in fact, again, I know that you're, you're interested in the program that, that uh, Ideal Life 360 and myself created, uh, Practice Revolution, uh, but I have a module on that. Uh, and in fact, we talk about what the first interaction with a client should be. I talk about the three questions that I ask, That, um, uh, and then I have a module called um, One Mouth and Two Ears. I was just going to ask and, you about
0: that because that's my that's my favorite title and yes. I think it's such a different way of saying, "Hey, shut up and listen." We talk exactly. about that all the time, but tell me what yeah. you tell me where that comes in because I think we all know, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I should be a better listener," but most of us, even though we know that, and I am so guilty of this. I wait to talk a lot of the time, and I know I do it, and I'm trying to get better. Despite the fact that my husband would say, "No, you're not getting any better at that," I know I'm waiting to talk, and I think most of us are, especially if we're in the mode of being the one that should have the answers. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait to answer that, and I miss half of what you just said. So, what do you tell people right. about two years, one mouth?
1: Well, well, I think that that really gets to to the point of 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 having a process, right? Um, uh, most individuals that I have observed that that are really good in the financial services industry they're they ha- they have a, a real solid balance of what I'll call two attributes at least the most successful ones do they've got a great personality and they're well liked by individuals and they're they're very very smart and good at what they do they have a lot of knowledge uh, that they could you know, dispense to individuals and be incredibly helpful. Um, so you know, I'm proud of my industry as a result of that because I, I think there's a lot of incredibly well-intentioned individuals out there. But one of the we're all potentially guilty of giving too much information or kind of jumping the horse, you know, jumping you know uh, uh, to the cart over the horse, uh, and getting in there too early without ferrying out. And that's why. Among the things that I highly recommend is that not only do you have a process, right, but that you have an agenda for every meeting and every meeting type uh, that you have and that your script is on your version of the agenda. Um, One of the things that I find is if I know that my part's coming, right, (laughs) um, then I'm okay with that. I can let that go. Right. Because now the, the first three questions that I answer ask the client, I ask, right? We've got plenty of time. I know what they are. They know what they are. It's on their agenda. Um, those, these are the first three things that I'm going to ask. And, and we can spend the time. If you are not organized, right, um, you and you don't have a process and you don't have, uh, if you will, an a, a bulleted agenda for each of the, uh, appointment types that you have, I think it's very, very easy to go down a whole lot of rabbit trails, right? Or to try to address each item as it comes up. And if you do that, the primary mistake is, uh, you will not get everything that's on the client's mind. So, uh, one of my mentors, and actually was the um, uh, founder of uh, my financial planning practice uh, before I came here in late 2008 um, had a fantastic phrase and that is you cannot pour tea into a full cup. Um, and, And that's the problem. You've got to give the client space to empty their cup before you can start to pour any more information into it. Otherwise, uh, everybody is going to, you know, overflow the cup. Um, and and that is part of what I teach in that module.
0: That's a great one. I think that gives a very good visual. I heard at some point in my career, the person that's asking the questions is the one that's controlling the call and or the conversation. And if you are in a conversation with a, with a client and you find that you're the one that's doing the majority of the talking, would you agree that that is not how you want that to go.
1: I would agree. Uh, and, and again, I think that if you just look at human nature, individ- you know, we believe that we are you know, uh, thinking beings who feel, and the opposite is true. We are feeling beings that think. And we, we want to make a connection with individuals, uh, we want to feel as though that connection exists, and that that other individual truly cares, and that they are listening uh, to what they have to say. Um, you know, let's face it: part of being a financial planner, which is largely what led me into coaching as well, is you know we're not psychologists, but or, or psychiatrists, but we're doggone close on certain subjects. I mean, the the stories that we hear, the souls that are bared, right, um, uh, of individuals who come in and and chat with you. I mean, when you're doing this type of work for individuals, it's a very intimate um, relationship. It needs to be honored and treated that way, but you also have to recognize that that's your role uh, in this client's life.
0: Yeah, that's such a powerful way to think of it. And I think that leads us to thinking about who our ideal clients are, because it should be on that Mm -hmm. kind of level where it's a very intimate relationship. You talk a lot about how to develop an ideal client profile and having that based on behaviors and not necessarily money. Tell me what you mean by that.
1: Well, what I mean by that is, you know, we oftentimes get the question, which is, do you have a minimum? That's where it often comes up. Do you have a minimum for for me to be able to work with you and the the answer to that is no it's not because if you look at the uh, ideal client profile that we use in our firm and part of what I teach in this process the the way to develop that over time there is no conversation whatsoever uh, about money now With that being said, you can imagine that if we charge the level of fees that I've described that that we charge, and I demonstrate to people how they can get to that particular level, um, there's going to be a natural uh, market that presents itself for that. Now, I share with people there are Many, many people walking the face of the earth that I believe would benefit from engaging our team in a comprehensive financial planning engagement. But that doesn't mean that it's right for everyone, because at the same time, I have to be a fiduciary, right? Somebody who has $200,000 to their name, that's all they have. Would they benefit from going through a one-year engagement with our team? No doubt, would that be responsible for me as a fiduciary to charge them five, eight, or ten thousand dollars to take them through that process? Probably not, right? Um, so what you'll find is you get a natural market that will start to present itself to you because there'll be a natural threshold that appears that says, you know what, if I'm charging X amount of money, I'm getting people that generally have Y. Of net worth and or investable assets Um, so I talk a little a lot about you know what are some of the things that are part of our ideal client profile well first I want people who are passionate about their goals uh, because you're going to have to do the work the goals require right they need to be ready to hear the truth I'm not going to sell them something. The financial plan drives um, the solution set, not the other way around, right? And and we need to be able to face our own um, reality, right? Uh, They need to be willing to accept advice. We find that there are three general types of individuals. Uh, There are do-it-yourselfers, there are collaborators, and there are delegators. Well, I can tell you I cannot work with do-it-yourselfers. Uh, because that would be in violation, right, of our fourth value proposition point, which is freeing up physical and mental space and time. If 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 you're not able to do that, and I can't take you from a minimum of a recovering collaborator to become a delegator, <laughs> we're probably not going to have a really long, productive relationship, right? Right. Um, Another thing that I talk about is they have to be comfortable paying a fee. They need to recognize that I am a professional, that the people that they're working with are pros, that they have the knowledge, they have the expertise, and they have the ability to deploy all the elements of their value proposition and they can deliver on that promise. And they need to be somebody who is willing to get to a place where they can enjoy peace of mind, enjoy peace of mind knowing that they have taken care of these sorts of things and there are bigger things in their life that they want to achieve other than just the accumulation of money.
0: So interesting that you touch on that. I actually just wrote a blog post on that topic of charging fees and knowing your value. People are willing to pay a premium if they see value in it. When they get upset about fees, it's simply, it's not the expense itself. It's that there's no value there that's being delivered from their perspective. So
1: I I think there's a, yeah, yeah. there's an old adage, right? That uh, in the absence of value, price doesn't matter.
0: Yes, yes. And I think that has never hold more true. Now, I want to ask something here because I would imagine we have some financial advisors that are listening to this saying, I don't think I've reached a point in my business yet where I can turn people away, even if they're not my ideal client. Even if they don't encompass those things I'm looking for, if they have a million dollars, I'm not ready to turn them away and say, well, sorry, you don't fit these other levels what do you say to the financial advisors that have that mindset? Are, are they right? Do you have to get to a certain point before you can afford to start turning people away and getting specific?
1: Well, um, you know, ideally, um, you you can take an, a, a Cortez approach, right? Um, that is, and, and burn your boats and get to a point where you draw a, a line in the sand and say, from this day forward. Now, one of the things that I, that I, help people with is getting them to the point right where they can burn the boats. Um, because I recognize that most individuals uh, in the financial services industry, uh, maybe have some bad habits, Right. And, and among among bad habits, um, I like to refer to as taking money off the street. And now that's because I have a philosophy. And that philosophy is that everybody deserves a comprehensive financial plan. And anybody delivering comprehensive financial planning deserves to be paid a fee to do so. Um, so so um, you've got to, you know, here's the thing. Uh, nobody wants to work with a financial advisor who's living out of their car. Okay. Um, And so we do need to make sure that we're, we are um, establishing a baseline for someone's business that allows them to, you know, live their life with dignity and, and live in a state of integrity. That's really, really important. So I'm never going to tell somebody, you know, um, you regardless of whether you're, well-prepared or not, you must do it this way. Um, but we do need to make a commitment that that is what we intend to get to, right? And then we've got to develop a plan on how we can wean ourselves away from, uh, from that process. And let me share with you an example of that because I, I, I want to make sure that people understand that, that I have a practical side as well. Um, our firm has acquired some other firms, right? And among the things that are always concerning, potentially, to individuals who have said, you know, I really, really, really want you to be the ones to take care of my clients from this day forward because my time in the industry is at an end. But my concern is you're going to impose, right, this financial planning construct on every single one of my clients, and that's going to turn them off. I think it's really important to meet people where they are, and that's what we tell them. We, we say, we are not going to change the relationship that you have had with these clients, but what we are going to do is offer a enhanced set of, uh, a suite of, of offerings uh, to enhance what they're doing. And if they'd like to partake into it, in it, we're going to allow them to partake in it. And if they don't want to, we will remain to have the relationship that way. So I believe that there is a very, um, constructive way that you can that I can work with advisors to say let's see where you are today let's talk about what the future state looks like and let's develop a plan between now and when that's going to occur to get to that point where you can be um, simply saying I will be happy mr. client to help you with your 1 million dollars however before we do that we need to engage in a comprehensive financial planning engagement
0: I think that makes total sense. And giving other advisors a track to follow on a process and even some verbiage is so helpful because a lot of times Mm -hmm. it's just so uncomfortable. It's something that we've not done, but it's just having an adult conversation and setting expectations. And I think ultimately most people, even if they're the people that are a bit hard to deal with, they respect that and they respond to that. And Mm -hmm. if you're communicating openly from the get-go, it's got to be much easier than rather than feeling like, well, I don't want this person to walk out because I've scared them away with, with my agenda or my expectations or my fees. And so I'm going to cater to them in the beginning and then try to do a 180 on them. That can't work. So giving them a specific process flow has to be so helpful.
1: Yes. And, and, and again, that, that also, so we talk about creating confidence in the client. But one of the things that I help advisors do is for them to develop the confidence by having the systems and the processes in place to sit across from the client and say, and here is what my fee is.
0: Right, right. So
1: <laughs> I want to
0: touch on that, one that, final... That
1: is a problem. <laughs> it, it is,
0: it is. And I think that's a, a bigger issue than what we can get to <laughs> this one. But yes. good to know it is something that you talk about in your coaching program because I, I can assure you there's many that need coaching in that area and they would be the first to tell you, yes, I need help here. Um, but I want to talk mm-hmm. about one thing that you put into your your courses and your coaching is that the biggest challenge, of course, that we face as financial advisors and even those of us on this side helping financial advisors, it's finding new prospects. We all know that marketing is tough. You got to get the pipeline full. But if we're not retaining them and we're not, you know, if we have a transactional relationship and they're not all in with us, that can be really expensive as well. What do you suggest when you talk about a, creating an ideal calendar for the upcoming year that includes the activities that you would want it to, how would somebody go about setting something like that up?
1: Well, that is not a short answer. Um, but I, I will sh- I will share with you kind of what the three components of it are. Um, the first one is you for your, for, um, uh, your clients you need to articulate to them the times that you are dedicating for them on the calendar. Um, And we do that by creating a a letter. I call it living in the matrix Um, uh, because that's the high overview of how a year is going to map out. And that project starts in late summer, and goes into the early fall so that we can create our calendar for the next year, um, in the fall. And what we have found to be very, very successful is we suggest times and that's what it is that basically says, we have scheduled you for these three meetings on the following dates and time. And if those don't work for you, here are the times of the day and the days of the week, that we have available for these 90 or 120-minute blocks of time, right? I, now, I will tell you, there's an immediate pushback by, oh, you can never do that. I'm like, really? I've been doing it for 10 years, right? Um, and it gets uh, clients into a rhythm. You, you, we create for ourselves as human beings so many roadblocks that are not defined in reality, and this is one of them. Right. Um, I I like to tell uh, individuals uh, the story about uh, the fact that I have an annual skin check and I would recommend that anybody um, who spends any time outside, you know, has an annual skin exam. Well, I had to recently reschedule my annual skin exam. I had a conflict that I made a choice that my annual skin exam could be postponed for a couple weeks. And I would go do this uh, fun event that I wanted to participate in. Well, goodness sakes, it wasn't two weeks away. It was three months away that I had to reschedule. And, you know, I think that there, that people understand that true professionals that are in high demand have a schedule. Um, And uh, that again, is it's, it's, it's not a, I'm better than you thing. It's look, I'm a professional. I, I'm really good at what I do. And I wanna make sure that when we have time together, I'm absolutely 100% focused on you. Now let me share with it what, what it also does because there's two other elements and, and I'm gonna save those as a teaser uh, of how you end up building this. But here's the thing that it does. How many advisors could tell you what is your capacity? When is your next hire? right? Mm-hmm. And most advisors, it will be very reactive. It will not be proactive. They'll get into a crisis before they discover that they've either overcommitted themselves or they don't have enough help.
0: Yeah, the wheels already of the fallen off the I, wagon.
1: It, that's correct. And one of the things that the ideal calendar will do for you is it will tell you with certainty what your capacity is because you, you will know.
0: Another thing I have to you imagine You will know what does. available
1: time you have.
0: And another thing I have to imagine it does is creates a bond with those clients because they are in there with you, even if it's not something they feel is a priority. If you are prioritizing it and they're there that often, they are bonding with you and you just by the nature of meeting with them are moving that relationship out of the transactional area into the very deep, intimate relationship that we want. So they become clients for life.
1: Yes, that's, that's exactly the case. And I, and I, I want to tell this one really quick story because I, I I think that it, it emphasizes the fact that, you know, I'm not just, you know, this is not theory, right? This is, this is really, really real. Um, and, uh, the prospect of what I'm about ready to talk about is probably frightening to many advisors and that is changing broker dealers or changing RIAs, right? Um, there is a, a a you know profound fear, right? In the in the case of a lot of advisors, that say I could never do that, and you and you ask them why, say well I'd lose my clients, really? Well, we have another issue that we need to address there. But I will share with you that my uh, financial practice made a transition 18 months ago. Now there was an 18 month due diligence period that myself and the other uh, senior partners of the firm took into consideration as we were making that decision to move. I'm, I can share with you that um, not one time during our due diligence period was it ever on our Ben Franklin close list, right? You know, the pros and the cons list of would our clients come with us. It never, ever, ever even came up. Um, subconsciously, I know that we knew that that wasn't going to be an issue because we have built such a robust uh, relationship and process and, and practice that I can honestly say, and where else are you going to get this? Mm. Truly, right? I, I know that, right? And, and I'm happy to tell you that when we made that transition, we transitioned a very, very large book of business with over a 99% movement rate within 60 days and not one time other than, is this a good thing was about the deepest question that we got. And our answer was yes, it wasn't. And why should I come with you? It was of course I'm coming with you Uh, because they know, right? They know that all of, and that's one of those modules that I talked about. The Econ Forum, for example, is only one of the value adds that we provide because life coaching is the other uh, deep value add that we provide to individuals. It's, they know there's nowhere else that they're going to get that um, because most people are just providing wealth management and nothing more.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And I've got to think we've got some People listening that want to hear more, they want to know more about how they can get uh, coaching from you or can learn a little Mm -hmm. bit more about what you offer. So for everybody that's listening, if you would like uh, Brad's book, he mentioned it earlier, it's Stop Trying to Keep Up with the Joneses, they're broke anyway, go to theadvisorarena.com. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can enter your information there, just put in the email email, that you'd like a copy of Brad's book, I will send it to you. Just make sure you include your shipping address, and I will get that and send it to you. And then, Brad, you have a very generous offer for those listening as well. Why don't you go through what they can do for some next steps if they're interested?
1: Sure. I would encourage everybody here to uh, go to IdealLife360.com. Uh, you can peruse the life coaching element of, of what I do. In the shop, uh, there are two things that I'm providing a coupon code uh, for those who are listening to the podcast. One is the online course. It's a self-guided course with uh, audio tracks as well as worksheets um, for each of the the various lessons uh, called the practice revolution it's the self-guided program as well as I offer an eight-week live group coaching session the next session is going to begin in April uh, April 21st we do these on Tuesdays if you can't make the live coaching uh, you're always eligible to get the replay and then obviously once you join that uh, that information for either of these courses is yours forever Uh, access to that information information and for either of those programs uh all lowercase gradient and then three zero uh, there's there's a 30 percent discount through the end of march on those two programs for anybody who's joining us today or listening to the podcast
0: that is fantastic so generous brad i can't thank you enough for joining us i appreciate you taking some time and thank you everybody for joining in and eavesdropping here a bit on our conversation thanks brad
1: you bet jamie My pleasure.